The air we breathe, the water we drink, the soil that grows food for our families. These basic elements are essential to healthy, happy lives. America's corn growers think so too. Across the country, they're pitching in every day and doing the work to produce food and fuel that is healthy in a sustainable way. Go to ncga.com to learn more about how corn farmers grow a more sustainable future for us all. That's ncga.com. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, D-Gen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the U.S. Open. Who else is hype about that? First off, we do have to take care of our sponsors. So the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast is sponsored by Draft.com. Join Draft right now using promo code DGEN and get a free $3 ticket for attorney of your choice after you make a minimum deposit of $10. If you crush your season-long NFL league with a snake draft, this site is for you. They do the snake drafts for uh, golf. They do a no salary cap tournaments for golf. And they have these huge best ball tournaments for football coming up. Million dollars for first play, for first place. Get on draft.com right now. Use promo code DGEN. As usual, I am here with my partner in crime, everyone's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how you doing this week? I'm doing well, Kenny. It's coming off the Canadian Open, so uh, two things. One, it was awesome, good good for Canada. A better look than what we showed tonight when KD went down, so I will say that, watching the Raptors game. Um, but the other thing is, it's major week, man. I'm pumped. You know, every time a major comes around, you have a chance to win the Millie Maker, and that gets me hyped, so I'm happy to be here. All right, so as most of you guys know, if you've checked my Twitter feed earlier today, we do have a special surprise, a special guest for the DGen Nation this evening. We have Derek Farnsworth, a.k.a. at RG Notorious on Twitter, a.k.a. Mr. Noto. Uh, this guy has won the $44 club twirl for back-to-back weeks for the Memorial and for the Colonial, uh, for Colonial. Uh, back-to-back. 
$44 club twirl, won over $200,000 those two weeks. He's one of the best fantasy players out there in any sport. Uh, the guy is all over the place. Basketball, football, golf. This guy's a proven winner. We have him on the show. We're going to pick his mind today. Really excited about it. Derek, how you doing this week, man? Yeah, doing good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. You guys are the best. Uh, that was a great intro, by the really way. really was. I uh, <laughs> still, still, still love that introduction song, too. Uh, I actually have a video of me and my little son when he was like a year old dancing to that song while listening to your podcast. So uh, oh, yeah. I'll, nice. I'll have to send that to you guys. But That is awesome. Yeah, uh, they say it's better to be lucky than good, and that's certainly been the case for me over the last few weeks. Um, you know, uh, I, Well, here's the thing. I mean, luck – uh, there's really, I mean, to get lucky, it, 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 what's the quote? I don't know. There's some quote. I mean, the only way you can get lucky is with preparation and hard work or something like that. That's how you get lucky. And so I feel like you do all those things. Go ahead, Tampa. What were you going to say? Uh, my favorite quote, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And you got to be good to be lucky too, right? It goes both ways. So excellent job again. Congratulations, Noto, uh, a.k.a. Noto Goat, as you missed on the introduction there, Kenny. But uh, love having you on, man. We, we won't pick your mind too much to, to give away all your secrets. But, yeah, couldn't ask for a better week to have you on with the major at hand here and a lot of money on the line this week on DraftKings and a little bit on FanDuel. I won't talk too much about that because I don't like their prize pools that much but uh, or their payout structures, but DraftKings is loaded this week. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get you started with Mr. Farnsworth here. Derek, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started, who you work for, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I work for rotogrinders.com. Uh, pretty sure most of you have heard of it. If you haven't, uh, highly recommend checking it out. We have uh, fantasy content for pretty much every sport that you can think of. Um, I have a free uh, first look article that I do for golf each and every week. Uh, I look at the course, look at uh, Vegas odds. Uh, DFS salaries, put my bets out there for free as well. So uh, then we have a lot of great premium content, you know, ownership projections. We have articles from myself, uh, Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals, who uh, has long been around, uh, been long one of the DFS goats as well. And then uh, we just got uh, Drew Matthews to come on. Uh, he's been, he's going to be a full-time contributor from uh, Fantasy Golf Bag. So a lot to look forward to there at Roto Grinders. And uh, yeah, I started DFS, I don't even know now, maybe 10 years ago, uh, eight eight or nine years ago, something like that. Um, started on Draft Street, and I don't know how many uh, of us are still left uh, from the Draft Street days. But, uh, yeah, ever since, uh, it's been a great ride, and I uh, love being on with you guys. All right, that's awesome. And we're definitely going to pick your brain here. We're, we're going to start off the pod with Mr. Derek Farnsworth here since he's been the GOAT and been winning so much money the last few weeks. We want to try and give some of that knowledge to the DGen Nation out there. So just a couple of quick questions. Uh, you know, on a weekly basis, how many GPP lineups do you usually tend to make per week in golf? Yeah, so I, I was always a one lineup type of guy uh, in other sports. And for golf, I was typically making two a week. Uh, I still do that for, you know, my main two lineups. I put them in single entry tournaments, uh, three max uh, tournaments and things like that. And lately, I've just been uh, dipping my toes into the MME game. Um, and, you know, luckily I did, I guess. But uh, I've been making 100 lineups a week, uh, put it in the club twirl, put it in the drive the green. Typically uh, limit my player pool to around 30 to 35 golfers, but it all depends on what kind of stances I'm taking at the very top. Um, the first week that I won, I think I locked in Jordan Speed 100%, so that kind of allowed me to take some more chances on some of the cheaper guys. I ended up being overweight on Kevin Na uh, and a few other guys uh, that helped me get to the top there. So, yeah, for me, the MME is all about just taking stances. Um, you know, ownership in golf is – uh, hard to predict, but, you know, there's so many sources out there that it's getting easier and easier. And uh, since it's only one week uh, at a time, 
you know, you have all week to kind of decipher the information and take your stances. And uh, my thoughts in general are that I'm more willing to fade the chalk, you know, the cheap chalk, since uh, this is a volatile sport. And, you know, when you're not an elite golfer, you're likely to miss the cut, even if everything kind of lines up for you. And then uh, the guys at the very top, I, I don't mind playing chalk and, and all that good stuff. So basically you're saying like, you know, the the higher end chalk, you know, projected ownership, high ownership for these elite golfers. You don't mind, uh, even, you know, biting the bullet and taking the chalk. But when it comes to the lower end, you know, you sort of take a stance there. Now, you did say you went 100% on Jordan Spieth. Is that your normal thing? Do you usually have like a couple of guys that are like 100 or close to 100% each week when, you, when you've been doing these mass multi-entry entry lineups? I usually cap it around 50%. I kind of just had a gut feeling on him, uh, wow. and I didn't think his ownership was going to be that high. I think he ended up being like 16% or something like that that week. So when it locked, I was kind of uh, not feeling as good about my 100%. But, uh, yeah, I typically lock or you know max out around 50%. But it really just depends on the week and how I feel about each golfer. Tambo, any questions? Uh, I had a question, actually. We talked a little bit about it on the podcast, uh, and I've talked about it on Twitter as well, but what, what's your take on the Fantasy Golf World Championship uh, from, a, from a standpoint outside of looking in? You know, if you, I know you've been to live queues and um, seen you in some of them, but what, what's your take on the golf one, just being that it's an online only and it sort of forces you into you know, the Northern Trust where you have to put your best lineup with not the greatest payout structure? I was just curious what your thoughts are on it as a whole and not being a live event. Yeah, so I've qualified every year except for the one where it actually was a live event. Um, I didn't qualify yeah. for that one, and it sounded like it was a blast. I'm not really sure why they stopped doing the live event, but then uh, I've always been, you know, kind of good at double ups, uh, kind of like Kenny. Um, so I kind of like the format that they had the last few years, where uh, it was a four week thing, where you know, seventy percent of the field moved on after each week. But yeah, I definitely prefer the live final format, especially if it's only going to be a one-week contest like it is this year. Uh, I'm still going to be chasing it just as hard. You know, you got to try to win, you know, our our major, if you will. But uh, definitely wish it was live final or or they went back to the four-week format. Yeah, that, that's what I thought too. When you go ahead and, you know, make your player pool, I mean, like how much of it is based around stats? How much of it is based around gut? How much of it is based around form? Like, what are the key things that you're looking for uh, in a golfer on a week-to-week basis, depending on the course? Yeah, it's kind of a mix of everything. I mean, we always like to look at, you know, recent form, long-term form, uh, the course fit. Um, I do look at course history. I know that's a hot topic. Um, I certainly don't think it hurts. But, yeah, it's just kind of a mix of everything. And then I'll mostly use my model um, for, I would say, you know, 80 to 90% of my player pool. And then the rest is kind of gut feel. Um the speed one was definitely gut filled because he rates out terribly in my model every single week. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys like that that rate out, you know, pretty horribly yeah. every week. You look at like Jason Day and Bryson lately and stuff like that, but they're still good golfers, and you still got to think about playing them. Uh, you know, so you can't really base everything based on the model, based on the stats. You need a little bit of gut. You need a little bit of other narratives to come in there and try and get your your whole player pool down. Um, any other you know big tips that you'd like to give our listeners out there? You know, maybe try and cash one of these big big tournaments here in the future what about leaving money on the table do you do yeah, that I often just, i was just going to bring that up um you know we always talk about it but still you see a large percentage of the field just max out that cap each and every week and especially in something like the millionaire maker i know this week's going to be a little different since it's a hundred dollar buy-in but uh, i always at least leave one hundred dollars on the table and then uh typically <laughs> you know set the little slider on my lineup builder between you know 49 and 49.9 and then 
I also think that it's important to, you know, max out your aggregate ownership of your entire lineup, um, at least to, you know, maybe 90%. I typically set it around 80%. That way, um, if you're leaving money on the table and you're kind of limiting, you know, how much chalk is in your lineup, uh, it does help avoid dupes and it helps you uh, create leverage on the field. All right. Sounds good. Any major differences when it comes to majors or regular weeks for you? I mean, the pricing is a little softer, so I tend to lean toward the more balanced approach. But uh, that's probably in my main two lineups. I don't think it changes a whole lot uh, when it comes to MME for me. All right. Any other things you want to talk about there with uh, Derek there, Tambo, about his uh, procedure? Yeah, just one, one more thing for this week. You mentioned it, and obviously it's been you know noted that I'm playing 50 lineups in the Million Maker for the $100 buy-in. Had a few people ask me just what I would do to change my strategy. Uh, I know my answer, but what, what do you think of the strategy of playing the $100 versus playing the $20? Besides the tips you just gave, like I love those tips. I just think, of what would you do anything different for the $100 than the $20 or just leave it? Uh, I'm not really sure I'd get too different. Uh, you probably don't need the optimal lineup in that hundred dollar one to win, uh, or, you know, not as close as you would to the big $20 one, but yeah, I don't think there's anything too different that I would change. Uh, just roll with your player pool. You're probably going to see, uh, ownership congregate around a few, uh, players in particular with the higher buy-in, you know, we know the, the higher roller players, uh, tend to gravitate around, you know, four or five golfers every single week. So right. uh, maybe try to create leverage if you can find those guys. Yeah, I like that. I, I was just thinking along the lines of what like what I was saying to people was that, you know, if you're playing the $20, you might be a little bit more aggressive because obviously you're playing to beat these fields that we had of 175000 uh, you know, previous at the PGA and then 225000 at the Masters. Um, so if you can win those tournaments with your lineups, you can definitely win the $100. Like you said, it probably won't be super optimal that wins that. But uh, I, I would just say probably, you know, get, get a few less of the you know, gems, quote unquote, that people are looking for all the time. Like you said, there's ways to differentiate it within the aggregate ownership or, you know, putting a cap on the the salary and whatnot. So great tips. I appreciate it, man. That's going to be awesome this week. Uh, one, one quick thing there, Dave, you did say you did play a lot of 50-50s and double ups and stuff like that. How much percentage of your weekly bankroll goes to cash games like that and how much goes to uh, GPPs? It used to be a lot more than it is now. Uh, I just can't get the action that I would like for cash games. Um, so I would probably say it's maybe 10%. Uh, oh, okay. And that's probably dwindling week by week. But um, well, you're I don't playing, play you're, of, playing, you're playing like the big money, like 50-50s, like the $1,000 50 yeah. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't play a lot of head-to-heads and three-mans. It's probably something that I could probably get more into. But um, for golf, I tend to build cash game-like lineups and then uh, make a couple of pivots and just use those in tournaments instead. All right. That sounds good, man. All right. So let's move on. Uh, Let's actually take a quick recap of last week. Uh, Canada's Open, Canada's Major, Tambo's home tourney. You saw Roy McIlroy go out and go ham out there on Sunday, uh, you know, just demolishing the field, uh, going and shooting a 61 when he had a chance for 59 if he birdied um, 18, a hell of a round by him. But, you know, the, 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 the guys up top are all pretty much were studs. I mean, especially, you know, when related to this field, um, you know, you had Webb coming in second, Snedeker coming in fourth, Matt Kuchar also top five. You had Shane Lyra, who's been playing exceptionally good golf and is good at difficult courses, uh, you know, finishing in second as well. Uh, yeah, the Canadian, probably one of the higher finishing Canadians out there with Adam Hadwin, Sung J.M. came out, uh, you know, had a good week after a few, like a month and a half of poor golf. Uh, GMAC making a huge putt on 18 uh, to make that cut, uh, to make to make the, the Open Championship. What you got? What did you think of the tournament there, Tambo? And uh, how'd you do? 
Uh, yeah, it was actually pretty good on the overall because, uh, you know, showdown on Sunday was was swell with uh, Roy McIlroy in there. There's, there's a new thing that I found out, this late showdown. I, I was making fun of it before, but now I actually use it to pick up a couple tickets and get some money back that way. And then on FanDuel this week, there was a, I don't know if it was a glitch or if they're just testing people's knowledge to see if they could see, um, but they made... Uh, what's his name? Paul Barjon. Yeah, they made him free. So he was $0. So you could literally fit the top five golfers in price on FanDuel weekend and final day golf. Uh, it worked out better on weekend if, if you tagged it up quickly. And I, I got in a couple there and got some money back that way. So overall, good week. The tournament was uh, incredible, I thought. Um, like I said, the fans showed up there at least. Uh, Roy was pumped about it. Um, the round was incredible. A couple things stood out. One was, you know, he probably didn't even need to do that. So the other, like nobody could really show up on Sunday besides Rory. Um, None of the Canadians could get it going. Hadwin was trying. Poor Mac Hughes had like 17 pars and one bogey, I think it was. Um, And then the other cool thing was the, the Graham McDowell you mentioned. I know they talked like even if he had a miss that, he could have just tapped in the bogey and he probably still would have got in. But uh, it was reminiscent of the Poulter at the Houston Open to get into the Masters type deal, or at least to get to the playoff to have a chance to get into the Masters. Huge putt. Uh, and I thought the coolest part was actually Rory on the next tee saying, was that for Graham? Like, you know, did Graham just make that? So cool camaraderie there to see, even in the in the midst of him just torching the field, wants to make sure his boy's doing things out there. And I thought that was awesome. Uh, what, what did you think, Noto? You were watching the tournament. What did you think of the finish? Yeah, I thought it was a really cool tournament. It produced a great leaderboard like you guys are talking about. And uh, for me, I thought the tournament was over. Uh, first thing Sunday, uh, on number one, Rory hits a 350-yard drive right down the yeah. middle. Uh, Webb hits it like 150 yards behind him, and then Rory just knocks it up there, buries the first hole. Well, he almost made that chip in. Yeah. Like, it, it should, I can't believe that chip didn't go in You know, for Eagle on the first hole for, for Rory that day. Yeah, it was an awesome finish. Uh, I would have loved to see him shooting the 50s, uh, 59 or something. But a um, couple of takeaways for me. I mean, Rory gave away his putter uh, after the round. Yeah, right? I saw or, that. Uh, in exchange. I mean, that was one of his best putting weeks we've ever seen from him. I can't believe he gave his putter away. And then uh, DFS wasn't so kind to me. So the highlight of my week was Danny Willett taking the picture with uh, our buddy Jeff. Hyman. I, I yeah. love that picture. That, Amazing. That picture just literally made me feel good. I don't know if you guys, <laughs> listeners, know, but Feinberg made his bones uh, you know, picking Danny Lutt to beat Spieth at the 2016 Masters. That's some huge number. The bookies took a tremendous hit that day because everyone uh, followed Feinberg that day. It was a great day for uh, golf betting, especially on Twitter. Um, for me personally, it was my best week of the year, uh, which was a little strange considering I had uh, of my like $280 in GPP lineups I had after the first round, I'd only gotten back two bucks. I was only in the green in one GPP out of like the 80 that I played after Thursday first round. Now, it ended up going pretty well. I had a, a more six of sixes than uh, the field by almost double. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing, health care caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. I had zero Rory, uh, you know, for the majority of my lineups. Now, late Thursday, you know, morning, I, um, 
I, I thought about it and I was like, I can't really fade Warrior 100%. So I ended up making like five lineups in the smaller $5 drive the green. And actually those lineups crushed too. Uh, you know, I put like $25 in, got back $75 for those lineups. I had a 200% return on investment on that. But I did finish top 10 in the uh, Mayo Open. Uh, that was sort of cool, three hundred bucks, and I did finish second in the fantasy in our listener league. Um, I think that was my fourth runner-up that I've ever had uh, in the listener league. So it's getting sort of you know pissed. I'm getting sort of pissed off because I can't take it down, but I'll take it. It's actually the same lineup that I used in the Mayo Open, so that sort of bumped my uh, my week up. I you know I won close to a grand when I put in like four hundred fifty bucks, so like well over a hundred percent return on investment. So hopefully it comes back this week. Also the cash game cornerstones. Did fine. Uh, last two weeks, I've only gone three of four. I've had one person miss the cut each week, uh, but I've had two runner-ups and four top tens uh, out of the six guys that made the cut. So it's been easy to cash with that type of upside that I've had. So uh, cash has been great. GPPs are good. Trying to get it rolling into this week. But before we do, let's talk about last week's Listener League winner who beat me by fucking 43 and a half points and i came in second so this guy literally crushed he has a gups corner avatar which has become sort of a norm those guys over there are crushing it uh he had webb simpson who finished second almost 30 percent owned snedeker at a 15 percent owned uh finished top five he had rory the winner who was 11 percent owned in the listener league and so basically he went stars and scrubs because his other three rod pampling uh, you know, finished fourth. He was $6,100. I'm sorry, he finished minus four. He was $6,100, uh, got 71 points. Uh, Jim Knauss, $6,800, 1.5% owned. Um, you know, he finished in 56. And Cameron Tringali, who I loved last week, who helped me a lot. Um, he had, um, it was 5% owned, $7,100, got 83 points. Tambo, what'd you think of the lineup? Off the wall, man. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to to be with Gup and the boys over at Gup's Corner. We'll talk more about that later. But man, I, I know Gup has some serious rankings, and I know Jimmy Boy was up there. So at 1.5, that was a nice score. And I'm I'm pretty sure Tringali was up there. What I got no fucking clue is where Rod Pampling came from. Yeah, I and know, right? Point five percent to round that baby out, and he actually got seventy-one points. I mean, that that's incredible. The the webs, the Rory's. I mean, Rory was a contrarian play. I like that because the board was heavy up top with the DJ Brooks stuff. But Webb was going to be a staple in almost every type of lineup build last week. Uh, Snedeker, Stenson, those guys were popular, but he he had a good mix there. But man, like I said, that's just a wild one, and that's why he wins the field by forty-three points. So shout out to Lance B twenty-three. Uh, we'll see him in the four man this week. Because we'll, we'll get Noto in there. Yeah, man. We're definitely going to have Noto in there. Any comments about that lineup there, Noto? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how you build Stars and Scrubs, right? Uh, you get uh, the best uh, Stars at the top and then uh, fill in the Scrubs. I, I definitely did like uh, Tringali and Knoss, but, yeah, Pambly, I wasn't uh, looking at him at all, so props to him for that lineup. Yeah, really, really solid lineup by uh, Lance B23. We will see him in the four-man this week. All right, before we get to the course – Let's actually talk about GupsCorner.com. These guys at Gup's Corner have just been literally crushing Gup himself in the last two weeks. He picked Rory to win last week. He picked Cantley to win the week before. He had Keegan as first-round leader last week, which he was. He had Ryan Moore uh, first-round leader the week before. Oh, so this guy nuts. is on fucking fire, dude. Uh, you know what I'm saying? If you guys aren't on the site, I mean, you bet a dollar on each of those four bets. You've made your money times like five. Uh, on the year-long subscription. And the thing is, the week before that, he won like 25000 on DraftKings. So, 
I don't know why there's people that still aren't on this site. Get on the site. Use promo code DGEN25. Get yourself a 25% discount on gupscorner.com. You can get a month-long membership for 15 bucks, and then you subtract the 25%. Or I would go the year-long subscription because it's not like this guy's just hot now. He's hot all the fucking time. So, you know, get on there. Get that year-long subscription. It's like $119. You get 25% off. It's not for the rest of the season. It's 365-day subscription from the day you enter, from the day you subscribe. So not only do you get, you know, his golf stuff, but you get the football stuff coming up here real soon. And these guys over there, Bucks, Gup, um, Ruby, Tambo, all great at football as well. They put out excellent content. Use promo code DGEN25. This is the last week we are doing the uh, the 25% discount with the DGEN25 uh, for Gup's Corner, at least for a little while. So get on it now. It's the last time you can try it. DGEN25 promo code on gupscorner.com. Get on it and use it. All right, so uh, let's get to this week. The U.S. Open, the third major of the year, is upon us as golfers from all over the world head to Pebble Beach Golf Links for the 119th U.S. Open. The field consists of 156 golfers, and the cut line is top 60 and ties. This tournament has the highest percentage of players missing the cut all year, so it can be a very difficult week for DFS purposes. Two years ago, less than 10% of lineups on DK in both cash games and GPPs got five of six or better through the weekend. Less than 10% got five of six or better. Only about 30% of lineups got four of six through um, or better. And then cashing with three of six golfers making it to the weekend was a normal occurrence that year. Now, last year was a touch easier to get six of six or five of six through, but not by much. Uh, the weather will be a key factor in the difficulty of the course. If a deluge of rain does hit the course, then the softer conditions will play into the players' hands. Now, as of now, it looks like there was no rain in the forecast, and it hasn't rained there in a while. So the course should play hard, dry, firm, and fast, just how the USGA wants it. The course will be very difficult in these conditions, but if the wind picks up, we could see carnage. The USGA has said they aren't going to make the greens as fast as they were in 2010, which is the last time uh, a U.S. Open was played at Pebble. But we'll see if that actually pans out. Uh, they haven't been the most reliable group when it comes to setting up U.S. Opens in the past. With all the slope and undulations on these greens and the fact that they will be dry causes me to worry that if the wind picks up, it'll be virtually impossible to punt if the stip meter is greater than 13. Now, I would guess that they will water the greens between rounds so it doesn't get out of control. But who the hell knows with the USGA? There have been a couple of minor changes to the course since the last time the U.S. Open was held here. But for the most part, the course looks pretty much the same. They added a bit of distance on a couple of holes and added extra tee boxes to other holes so they can have different angles on their drives. The course is much different than what golfers see at the AT&T Pro-Am every winter, though. So while being comfortable at a course you're familiar with is always a bonus, the course history narrative, I think, gets bumped down just a bit down here uh, since the difficulty is ramped up to a 10 for the U.S. Open and the difficulty of the course might only be at a 4 for the AT&T Pro-Am. Now, Pebble Beach Golf Links this week is going to be a 7,075-yard par 71 with three par 3s and four par 5s. Only one of the par 5s are reachable by all. That'll be the 6th. One won't be reachable by almost anybody. That'll be the 14th. And one is reachable for the longer hitters. That'll be the 18th. 
The par fives are no cakewalk here. The 14th hole actually played close to a half stroke over par in 2010. Uh, the course hugs the coastline, making for breathtaking views, but also brutal conditions if the wind picks up. Off the tee, golfers will see narrow fairways with graduated rough, uh, you know, and difficult fairway bunkers line the landing zones. And the more golfers miss the fairways by, the more trouble they will be in. If golfers miss wildly off the tee, they will have to deal with OB as almost half of the holes sit right by the Pacific Ocean. The fairways should be extremely firm and fast with about 30 to 40 yards of rollout on tee shots, which shrink the width of the fairways even more. Uh, on approaches, golfers will see the smallest greens on tour. I expect them to be very firm as well. Uh, greenside bunkers and false fronts guard the greens. And once again, if golfers miss wildly, they will have to deal with thick, rough, impossible bunkers and probable OB. Uh, the greens are going to be POA and will be quick with a supposed stint meter rating of 12 to 12 and a half. Um, no, no. Why don't you give us uh, what you're looking for, what stats you're looking for, and what type of golfers you're looking for for this week? Yeah, so I think this week, more than any other, I'm not going to lean on stats as heavily as I normally would just because it's a major. Um, experience is going to matter a lot, um, especially just knowing where to miss, uh, knowing you know to leave the ball short of the hole so you can be putting up towards it rather than putting down, especially if these greens get fast like you mentioned. But um, in terms of the stats that I am looking at, stroke gain approach probably going to be my favorite statistic. Uh, bogey avoidance. There's going to be a lot of bogeys this week, so you know avoiding those big numbers is going to be important. Uh, and then strokes gained around the green. You mentioned uh, the rough's going to be thick. These fairways are going to be hard to hit. I believe when uh, it was played here in 2010, uh, green regulation was around 54% uh, for the field. So you're going to have to be able to scramble here if you want to say par. Uh, so those would probably be the three that I'm looking at the most. I will be looking at uh, strokes gained putting on POA since these are pure POA greens. Uh, and then a little bit off the tee, you know, we, I'd like to see uh, who's going to be able to drive it accurately, but uh, I don't think looking at driving accuracy is really going to help you this week because a lot of golfers will be clubbing down. And uh, driving accuracy in general is just, you know, kind of a hard stat to uh, predict uh, week to week uh, just without knowing the courses and the field and all that. So for me, it's going to be approach around the green, bogey avoidance, and then a little bit of putting on POA. All right, Tam, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, just stats are similar, but the one thing I always talk about, Kenny, with you know, when we're on here talking about majors, is uh, like you said, one is the the course history thing sort of bumps down a little bit this week. It is something I'll normally look at a little bit, but uh, big thing for me in a major like this, Noto kind of hinted at it, but uh, I'm looking longer term. You know, you always talk to me about that because you look at a little bit shorter term. I, I like looking at longer term because I want to see what these guys are all about on the long term, and if you know the experience is going to be a big factor here. At first glance, there's a lot of uh, those sort of gems or diamonds in the rough quote unquote that I want to look at but then you start to remember how hard this course is going to be and that the final score might end up being like minus three or minus four or something of that nature and a lot of these guys just and I'll talk about some of them later in examples but uh, a lot of these guys just aren't going to be ready for this especially considering like you said how firm and fast it's going to get especially over the weekend yeah I mean a lot of the times you you don't see you don't see courses like this very often on tour. And so the golfers don't get to play in these type of situations where it's really, really difficult. And the score is going to be close to even par. Um, I know a lot of golfers bitch about the way the USGA sets up the courses. Um, personally, I mean, yeah, they might've fucked up a few times, but if they, the USG, the US Open is supposed to be the hardest tournament uh, that you play ever. You know, and that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, you look at uh, Kepka, who's going for his third U.S. Open now. The last person to win three in a row, 
I forget his name. I think it might have been Walter Johnson or something like that. But in his third victory, I think he was like 35 over par. And he won the U.S. Open with that score. Uh, the U.S. Open is supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be difficult. Uh, I got no problem with the way the USGA sets it up, even though they could fuck up and make the greens crazy fast and it's going to be impossible to play well. That's what you'd have to deal with. Uh, the thing is, all the golfers deal with the same thing for all 72 holes. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. And I don't think a lot of guys are ready for that type of golf. Uh, and you can see it every year when you get to, when you get to this event. All right, so let's move on to the picks this week. Let's start off in this 10K and up range. We have Cantlay, Spieth, Rory, Tiger, DJ, Brooks, Noto. Why don't you get us started? Yeah, a lot of great options uh, up in this top range. And, you know, we were talking about this uh, before the show. If you're making balanced lineups, they sure look a lot better uh, than they do if you're including one or two of these guys above the 10K range. But um, definitely going to get exposure to a couple of them. I think my favorite of the bunch is going to be Tiger Woods. I know I'm a Tiger homer. Uh, there's no hiding that. But he won the U.S. Open back here in 2000. Uh, you know, he was sick before the PGA Championship with that long layoff after his Masters win. So we can forgive him for that. He looked really good at the Memorial. Uh, gained over five strokes on his approaches. We know uh, he's very comfortable at this course. We know he's very uh, comfortable uh, in the majors and on hard tracks. So I really like Tiger. Uh, Brooks, I'm not really sure what I want to do with him this week. I mean, I know he's won back-to-back U.S. Opens. He's a big game hunter and all that. Um, I just don't really want to play him on a shorter course. Um, it might come to bite me. I'll probably be underweight on the field on him. DJ obviously loves this track. Uh, so I think he'll be my favorite play up there with Tiger. Um, great course history. Uh, he's got a great U.S. Open track record. His ball striking has been really good recently. And he's great putter on POA. Uh, if you look at his splits, he's by far better on POA than any other surface. So uh, my favorite plays up there are going to be DJ and Tiger. All right, that sounds good. Uh, Personally, for me as well, DJ and Tiger are going to be my two favorite guys. You basically just went ahead and uh, talked about it. I mean, you look at Dustin Johnson, uh, I think on shorter, uh, under 70, 200-yard difficult tracks, uh, he's first in drafting points in his last 50 rounds or so on those type of tracks in this field. He's actually the second best putter on POA uh, in the last 50 rounds in this field. So, uh, you know, the way his game is shaped, you know, he he was in the lead, I think, coming into the final round in 2010 here. I, I'm going to play Dustin Johnson. Tiger, I'm playing as well. He actually ranks number one in my model. Iron game sharp. Hits a lot of greens. This guy's used to this course. He knows how to play these type of courses. He has experience you know, playing these tough tracks and doing well. I mean, you saw he won the last time it was here. He won by 15 strokes. Now, a couple of fades. Rory is going to be a fade for me, and I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be, you know, the Rory and Kepka are fades for me in this range, you know. But the thing is, like, I could easily be wrong. Both of these guys are incredible, incredible golfers, and they can go out and win this tournament by 15 strokes. But – you know, you got to make a stand, like like Noto said earlier. You got to make a stand up here, and I'm going to make that stand. So when it comes to Rory McIlroy here, you know, you look at his successes in major championships, even not just major championships. His wins total uh, on tour, most of his wins. I mean, you look at um, the U.S. Open in 2011, the winning score was minus 16. Uh, the, the 2012 PGA Championship, the winning score was minus 13. Uh, the Open Championship 2014 was minus 17. Uh, the PGA Championship in 2014, minus 16 was the winning scores. He doesn't have a single victory in his career on the PGA Tour where the winning score is less than minus 12. So to me, that you know, I, you know, if it's a birdie fest and you're taking away his biggest weapon, which is his driver 
uh, on this course. Like Noto said, less than driver course. I think that that's why it makes Rory a fade for me. He's never won a tournament where he's shot under minus 12. Uh, and so, you know, I think, and just depending on the win, it could be anywhere from even the minus five this week winning this event. Uh, so that's why I'm I'm not going with Rory, but can he win it? Of course he can. The guy's amazing. He showed it last week. Kepka, just like you, um, not a big fan of him on shorter courses, not a big fan of him on POA. It puts him a little bit down. Now, the reason, the thing is, he could be the lowest owned golfer in this range. So, you know, <laughs> you got the big game hunter, and, and he's winning a shit ton of majors all the time, and he's going to be the lowest owned guy possibly. In this, in this, in this range, maybe the contrarian in you wants to play him, and I'm not going to talk you against that. Uh, but personally, for me, I'm not playing Kepka. I'll probably play uh, one of the two, Spieth or Cantlay, at some point. I'm not sure which one, but my main two guys are going to be Tiger and DJ Tambo. What about you? Yeah, I'm not going to rehash all of it. First uh, T3PO of the week, though, and it's not going to be based on ownership, just on the obvious. I mean, they're all going to be spread out because the way this week is, and there's not that many guys up, you know, from what is it, like 8,000 and up? It's really tight, but then at the bottom, they've given us like 80 guys again. So uh, you can get there if you get the Rod Pamplings of the world proper this week, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm going to go DJ over Kepka, and it's not close. You know, I've been fading Kepka. I can't stop now. I get it. Everything Noto said, everything you mentioned to me it's more of a you know the price factor i can save a little bit and and woods i love so so we don't got to rehash that but i already like someone better there so dj over kepka if you're picking between those two i'll probably full fade kepka and just do whatever happens i got a couple hedges in the tank that we'll talk about later but uh the rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker that's wrong the economy is powered by us it's what we create what we buy what we need President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Woods, I love. Cantlay, I love. I think there's uh, some real merit here to start some lineups with Cantlay. And do a little bit more of that balance build, sort of the the upper tier balance build where you fit one five-figure dude in and then drop down that way instead of just getting a bunch of 8K guys and calling that balanced. You can do sort of a mini balanced with that. Um, We'll go through that throughout. But uh, the one thing about Rory is, and he's sort of the one I was leaving out. I'm not on Spieth either. Don't care about him at that price ever. Um, But McElroy is... You know, everyone was talking about the, you know, I even mentioned it before the show with you guys about the API when he came out and just torched that field on a Sunday with the putter and everything was going his way. And I remember after that, the next week, everyone said, oh, he's not going to do it again. There's no way. Uh, and he was in the final group with Reed at the Masters the next week after that. And yes, he fell apart on the Sunday. But again, he's also, what, $1,100 cheaper than Kepka here? Uh, there's definitely some merit to fading the top three. He'd be a good little pivot off Woods if Woods gets super popular with all the talk. 
Um, but my favorites are definitely Woods, DJ, and Cantlay. And then I, I may or may not just make one or two uh, of my favorite plays with McElroy just in case my plays go off and one of the top guys that I have doesn't. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Rory, he won last week. No one's won this tournament, uh, the U.S. Open, ever, uh, winning the week prior. Yeah, it's uh, so now, skewed, Rory, though, right? Because they don't play in it. That's why. That's, that that's dumb. If you, if you yeah. ask me, just it's it's the field. I know Mayo talked about it on Twitter with somebody yesterday, and to me it was just like, yeah, it, it really has very little relevance considering the guys don't play the week before or necessarily at this tournament. Like they'd have to skew it out a little bit, but is it's what it true. is. Rory can get hot at any time at any course. Um, so, yeah, you can play them, but I like the other three better that I mentioned. Go ahead and take us into the 9K range, Tambo. Yeah, 9K range is uh, not as busy as the 8K range for me, but I got a couple guys – uh, one, I talked about this at the last major at the PGA Championship, just talking about uh, taking winners. And the first, you know, the the three guys that I like here are Rose, JT, and Rom. Uh, I'll get into Rom in a second, but Rose sort of going a little bit. Uh, it seems like it, like it anyway. Like he'll go a little under the radar here, uh, just with messing around lately and doing too many commercials and wearing Hawaiian T-shirts. And we talked about his midlife golf crisis, so. Uh, you know, he's doing a lot of stuff that everyone's talking about him for all the wrong reasons, but he can still play golf. Uh, we know he can get hot at any time. And at 9,700, that seems cheap. The guy that seems cheaper that I love is Thomas. Uh, 9,300, he looked like all the rust was gone last week. Uh, really just what didn't have his putter, and he normally putts pretty well. So I'm okay with going back to him. Uh, again, if you want to use a balanced lineup and start with these two guys, or you can take one of the guys up top and drop to Thomas, like a Tiger Thomas lineup. Uh, but my second T3BO is going to be Rom over Day. Um, Day is going to be talked about. He's got the course history stuff here. Uh, he got uh, Stevie Williams on his bag now. Uh, that's Tiger's caddy from back in the day, 13 to 15 majors he was on the bag for, including uh, the major here in 2000 where Tiger won by 15 strokes. But John Rahm is really talented, and he's another guy that you know I pegged sort of for a U.S. Open at some point. I know this is a shorter track, and it's not going to be sort of bomb and gouge, but too much talent. Um, one stat I saw, just bring it up quickly, was uh, Justin Ray on Twitter, and I like this one. But Rom in California, ten starts, six top tens, two wins. Uh, you know he can definitely get it done here. So I like him a little more than Jason Day, who just hasn't shown me enough. The thing about Jason Day is he can always get his short game going for him. But if he's in that rough or he's off the cliff or you know if he's off all this stuff, he's going to have to really rely. It'll almost be like playing a cheaper version of Spieth where you got to rely on that short game and chip-ins and putting because that's what he's ex- he excels at. His approach game hasn't really been that strong. All right. For me personally, uh, I love JT as well. JT is actually going to be my first cash game cornerstone at $9,300. Like you said, uh, it looked like he knocked the rust off. Approach game, ball striking looked fine last week. He just couldn't putt. Um, but he has been pretty, uh, if I remember correctly, he's been okay on POA for the majority of his career. Let me double check here. Yeah, actually, POA is his best putting surface uh, for Justin Thomas. And the thing about it is, okay, when, you, when, you, you're, when you're playing cash this week, it's going to be tough to get 6-6 through. It's going to be very, very hard. Now, I'm going to go balance, super balance. JT is going to be my highest owned guy. I'm only going to have one guy under $7,500, $7,600. Uh, everything else is going to be spread out in between. I almost went... No one over 9K. I thought about that way to go about cash this week. It's like stacking like four or five of those 8K guys and then having one 7K guy. I decided against that because 
I want Justin Thomas in my cash game lineup because of the upside. And here's the thing. When it comes to the upside, you're going to – if you if you miss a couple of people on the cut, which I think is going to happen uh, this week, it's going to be tough to get 66 through unless all the chalk hits, and that never rarely happens at a U.S. Open. You want a bit of upside, and I think JT has that upside to win this event uh, at a low price compared to all his other contemporaries uh, in this field that he, you know, with the talent level that they have. So I want to start with Justin Thomas because I think he's going to make the cut and I think he can win. And that's what I want in cash this week for a couple of guys, especially because you're going to need that upside. If you go four or six uh, in cash and you have the winner, I bet you win this week. Or if you have like a top three or something like that, I bet you win. And I think JT has the best chances of that while still going uber balanced in cash which is what i want so jt first cash game cornerstone i'm also going to play a little bit of ricky fowler um you know for the guys that are in this 9k range outside of molinari for out throughout their careers he's probably been the more accurate driver uh, of the golf ball in this range of all these guys uh, his iron game hasn't been as good as it usually has but it's not bad putting extremely well really good at par fours really good at uh putts from 10 to 15 feet there's going to be a lot of putts in that range because these greens are so small and when you miss those greens you're going to chip up you're going to leave yourself 10 to 15 footers for par uh, you're going to have 10 to 15 footers for birdie uh, all day because these greens are so small you're not going to have those crazy long ginormous putts that you see at Augusta National or something. Everything's going to be sort of tightened up here. Uh, and so I do like Fowler. Uh, those are the two main guys I play. I'm not really sure about the rest, but those two are my top. Uh, Noto, who do you like? Yeah, so I really love the 8K range and not uh, too big of a fan of the 9K range. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I like Justin Thomas quite a bit. You guys mentioned all the reasons why. Uh, gained nine and a half strokes, ball striking. Or Tita Green last week at the RBC. So he would be my favorite play. And then the rest of the range is kind of a fade. Yeah, Molinari, uh, it's a good course fit, but he doesn't have a top 45. Or he only has one top 45 uh, in his last five events. Jason Day is going to be popular. But I think it's going to play a lot different than we normally see Pebble Beach. I know he has a good track record. But uh, with this thick rough, I mean, he's going to need John Daly to come pick him yeah. up uh, after he hurts his back <laughs> on the first hole. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Rom, I mean, I just don't like him on hard courses. I mean, I played him at the PGA Championship. I saw him bogey like five of his last seven holes to miss the cut. Uh, and then you have Ricky Fowler with the off of polo splits. So for me, it's JT, and that's about it in this range. All right. So why don't you go ahead? I'll go ahead and take us into this AK range because I got a couple of my cash game cornerstones here. First is going to be Hideki Matsuyama at $8,800. The guy's just been playing gradually better golf here in the last few months. Just keep finishing higher and higher and higher each week, each week, each week. Second in strokes game approach in this field in the last 50 rounds. He's been good with his wedge game from, you're going to see the majority of approaches be like, you know, 140 to 175, 180. He's pretty good in that range. He's also good at bogey avoidance and he's been pretty good um, um, around the greens. He's been a good scrambler. This year, which, you know, he's had some issues with that throughout his career, but he sort of picked that back up. He's top 15 in strokes gain around the green in this field in the last 50 rounds. So I do like Hideki as my second cash game cornerstone. My third cash game cornerstone is going to be right underneath him, Adam Scott 
at $8,600. Again, another guy trending very well. The form is really good. He's been playing. He's had a, a ton of top 20s this year. Came second at the Memorial. Uh, Iron game, you know, is strong. He's actually third in DraftKings points in the last 50 rounds in this field. Really, you know what? And he's, he's 21st in strokes game putting this year. He's fifth in this field in putting from 10 to 15 feet. Uh, that's not something you normally say about Adam Scott uh, very often, but the way his game's trending, the way how he's putting, uh, I do like him. So he's going to be my third cash game cornerstone. I do love Xander. Uh, the stats won't show it, uh, but the guy, again, mini big game hunter like Brooks goes out to U.S. Opens. I mean, if you look um, at his past where he's had the top tens and top fives at the U.S. Open, it's not like he's been uh, lighting the world up before, uh, you know, in the weeks before. I mean, he finished 14th at the Memorial, and he missed the cut at the Schwab leading up to here. Last year, he missed the cut at Memorial, missed the cut at the Schwab, still finished sixth here. The year before that at the U.S. Open, 53rd at St. Jude, 48 at Fort Worth, Miscut at Byron, the three the three events previous, fifth at the U.S. Open. So the form really doesn't worry me about this. This guy comes up when there's a strong field, when it's a difficult course, he comes to play. So I do like Xander. Um, and I'll probably play uh, a little bit of Paul Casey, even though he's been screwing people uh, at majors here for a while. And anytime he's high-owned, he's always screwed. But, like, you look at him, like, distance-wise off the tee and accuracy off the tee, he's probably the best combined when it comes to anyone in this 8K range and up. So that's a really nice little combo to have with the nice accuracy and the nice uh, greens and regulation percentage and the length that he has off the tee. Um, t- uh no, no. Who do you like in this 8K range? You said you loved it. Let's go over it. Yeah, definitely love it. I agree with your two cash game cornerstones. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, just to add to what you said, uh, he's gained strokes on his approaches and around the green in each of his last 10 events. That's incredibly tough to do. A good POA putter uh, compared to his other splits. Um, we have uh, Adam Scott. <laughs> he's going up. <laughs> I hear some. I got to uh, pour liquid. one out for Hideki. I love Hideki too. I got to pour one out for his I, I hope you Maybe. don't have to pour one out for him. That, that insinuates that he's missing the cut. We're going to be pouring yeah, no, one out no, for no. the guy. I'm, I'm pouring out for his, his potential top five. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's Sorry. No, no. Go for. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Adam Scott uh, gained 12 strokes on his approaches at the Memorial. That was incredible. Um, he probably should have won, but uh, Cantley kind of just ran away with that one on Sunday. And uh, you mentioned his putting has been awesome this year. He's gained strokes putting in eight straight. Uh, and then Fleetwood, I don't really hear his name a lot so far this week. Uh, he's just a guy that's a really good ball striker, shows up in the majors. Uh, he's only missed one cut in the last two years. I like him for cash games. Uh, Xander, you talked about, he's a big game hunter, kind of like a baby Brooks. I like him quite a bit. Kucher, always in play, pretty much any event, anywhere, especially when it's less than driver. Uh, he has top 12s in five of his last six events. Uh, he has a pretty good track record here as well. Uh, Paul Casey just burning DFS players left and right, withdrew his last time out, uh, missed cuts at the Masters and the players. I'm hoping that will uh, bring his ownership down a little bit, uh, but that's likely not going to happen. Uh, he, he almost won here when Phil won um, earlier this year, so... I think you can, you know, start your lineups with this range if you want. Um, you know, just for fun, I kind of put a lineup together. Adam Scott, Hideki, Casey, Kucher. Uh, and then you have 7,900 left for your last two golfers. Now, that's not going to be contrarian by any means, but um, it definitely looks good on paper. That was almost my cash lineup. <laughs> I almost decided to go Decky, Xander, Scott, and Kucher. 
uh, as my beginning point in cash. I, 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 like I said, I went against that, but I, I think you can do that because these guys aren't no scrubs in this AK range. They're ballers. They all, I think, can win. Uh, Tambo, who do you like? Yeah, one one thing to Noto's point on fading the nine K range, like we go through every range, but I, I like what he said there because that's sort of the the issue. What you just said here, Kenny, is that all these eight K guys are equal to these nine K guys recently, so. lately. You know, other results, all, all the stuff we can compare against. I, I like Fleetwood. I like Adet- I mean, I love them all. Every, everything Noto said is more of who we're not playing. I think we should discuss it really quick here. What do you guys' take on one? Uh, the Mickelson, not just the course knowledge and the course history. I know it's definitely going to play different and his driver's been off. But what about the birthday narrative? It's his 49th birthday on Sunday to get his the career Grand Slam. I mean, that's – I like narratives. I like um, motivation. Maybe not so much because of the birthday. I just think that's a funny little extra tidbit. Uh, Bryson, who has been so off and then turned it on for one round, but he has great long-term history. And then Finau – who before, you know, the recent terms, you know, he, he's been the major killer himself, but he hasn't been doing it as much lately either. So just want to hear some thoughts on Mickelson, uh, Bryson, and Finau. What do, you, what do you think, Noto? What do you got for those guys? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, they're all going to be low-owned, so you can definitely get some leverage on the field. Bryson, uh, lost strokes, tee to green in four of his last seven. I don't think I can go there. Mickelson with the great course history. I know it's going to play a little different, but uh, I do like that narrative. I kind of like narratives as well, so – uh, that would be pretty cool to see him get the grand slam on his birthday. Uh, I'll probably be overweight on Phil. Um, as long as he's not hitting bombs, like he says, um, I think he'll be okay. And then Finau, I mean, $8,400 for Finau at a major at sub 10% ownership. We would have jumped all over that, you know, a month ago. So I think yeah. uh, I just got to have, you know, short-term memory and just kind of forget his last couple of events and just kind of load up on Finau. Yeah, I, I'm not on Finau or uh, or I'm not on any of these three. Uh, Bryson is something's wrong with his game. He hasn't been playing as well as he should have. Same with Finau. Uh, it looks like he hasn't really been there, except he did have that nice little second of the memorial or uh, colonial. So, you know, maybe he's worth a look. I might change my mind about him, but there's no way I'm playing Phil. Uh, the thing about Phil when he comes to these U.S. Opens is I think he already lost before he even hits his first ball. Um, you know, his little spat with the USGA, uh, always talking about how, you know, it's unfair. He's the, the biggest, you know, person who bitches and complains about the way the USGA sets everything up. And going into a course with that type of mind frame, you can already tell it's affected him in the past. You look at his finishes, um, you know, I mean, last year uh, the, the on the weekend, the, the two hardest courses on the course, uh, he went bogey, 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 double. Uh, and that's not like a normal, that's not like an abnormal thing. Th- th- those are the reasons why he came in second so many times because on those harder courses, on those harder holes, he struggles. And if any hole or if it looks like it's borderline unfair, and that's the way it's going to be uh, at this week at the USGA, I think he's already lost before he even hits his first tee shot. Uh, I could be wrong. I mean, this, this, the, the USGA says they're, they're, they're talking to more of the golfers, trying to get an idea of what they want and what they need for this to be successful for both the players, the fans, and the USGA. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, you know, it, shit like that has been said about the USGA in the past, and they do crazy shit like Shinnecock at 13 last year, uh, Chambers Bay craziness. You know what I'm saying? They, that's the way they do it. Um and so I, I don't, I won't believe that they're going to try and make it a touch easier just because the players are bitching and complaining too much. Uh, so I think, I, in that sense, I think Phil's already lost before he started. So I'm not going to bet Phil uh, this week. Let's move to this seven K range. Uh, no, no, get us started. 
All right. Uh, I think we got to start with Webb Simpson. He'll probably be the most popular player of the week, maybe. Um, 7,700 coming off of another good performance last week. Always good on non-driver-heavy uh, courses. Great with his irons. Really, really good short game um, ever since he kind of switched up his putter grip. Become one of the best putters on tour. Uh, I love that price point. I think he's going to be popular, but it's hard not to like him there. Henrik Stenson, over his last six events, he has gained... 7.3, 6.1, 4.4, 7.4, 4.4, and 5.7 strokes. It's so sick. It's so yeah. sick, dude. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't really have any good finishes other than the T8, which is crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's happening with the rest of his game. But if the short game clicks, I mean, he's going to be uh, right there on Sunday. So uh, those two, are my favorites. I also think Snedeker is going to be popular. It's hard not to like him uh, on Poa. I had a course that he really likes. Uh, three straight top twenties on tour uh, and he's good at majors so uh, those three are all going to be chalky but i think they're all pretty good plays all right uh, go ahead tambo yeah I, I like those guys the the interesting thing about stenson is he can never get the around the green game or the putting on at the same time so wells and, and uh, byron he had always had good approach at all five of these events but the, he was on with the around the green bad with the putter then he's bad with the around the green okay with the putter vice versa, vice versa, and all the way back. And like you said, the best he's got is an eighth. But at 7,600, him and Webb at 77, the only saving grace that we have there is that you've got Snedeker and Lowry, who just played well. Snedeker, the course history. So those are a couple other guys. I, I normally like the chalkier players, and then I'll mix up my lineups that way a little bit. Some of the other ones, I like Leishman. Uh, I always talk about it on here. I won't play him when he's like 9,500, but if he ever dips to 7,800 like this, I'm all over him. It's just a, an upside thing for me. I think he's a better player than some of the guys in this range. Sergio's an interesting topic. I kind of like him just because he hasn't made a cut at a major for like seven straight or something. So uh, don't know. Something's going on with him, but from a long-term perspective, this is the spot now that I finally think everyone will be off him and saying, okay, I'm done with him. And then you'll know he can just grind his way and show up out of nowhere. So uh, kind of like uh, Phil, I'll be very light on him, but I'll probably go back to him just to, to have him in the pool. Uh, other guys just dropping down right at that 7,500. Uh, I think Snedeker and Lowry will be popular, but I've actually got a little bit more interest in my boy Poulter. Poulter's a grinder. He's good on courses that are tougher. You know, he's always can get the job done at 7,500. He's got some good stats across the board when it comes to, you know, we know he's got a good around the green game. He can get that putter hot, uh, decent approach, good bogey avoidance. So I do like Poulter. And then we'll drop into the 74 and down after Kenny. Who do you got 7,500 and above? I'll go my final cash game cornerstone pick. It's going to be Henrik Stenson at $7,600. The guy, like you said, the iron play is – He's gained like 25 strokes or more than 20 strokes uh, on the field on approaches in his last like five or six events. That's sick. That's sickening. Uh, and the thing is like even if he does that and doesn't putt that well and just average around the greens, I bet he still makes a cut, you know, and that's all I want from a 7,600 golfer in cash this week. Now, Webb makes a good cash play here as well, I think. Uh, I think Snedeker makes a good cash play as well. But I'm going to go Stenson just because he is premier – ball striking ability hitting that three wood or less off the tee it's going to be accurate he's going to hit fairways his uh, he's going to hit greens it's just going to come down to the short game if he's average i you know top 20 is pretty easy for him if he's just average uh a putting and average around the greens with the way that he's accurate off the tee and he can hit his approaches so my four final my four cash game cornerstones for the u.s open it's going to be 
Justin Thomas at $9,300. Hideki Matsuyama at $8,800. Adam Scott at $8,600. Henrik Stenson at $7,600. Leaves like over $15,500 uh, on your uh, you, that, you know, that you can play with. That's a lot of dough that you can go ahead and play with. You can even go up to like the 9K range again if you wanted to. You can throw in Kucher there. You can throw – there's a lot of options you can do uh, with that type of uh, balance structure and cash. So those would be my cash game cornerstones. I do like Webb. I do like Snedeker. I do like Lowry, just like you guys. Leishman, I like the way you talked about him. I'll probably use him now since you talked about him, Tambo. But I like Usti up top. The guy, stat-wise, sucks ass. But the guy <laughs> at, at majors, he'll just show up out of nowhere, especially hard majors. Uh, so he's a guy that I will play. He has him, just like Dustin Johnson, have the Grand Slam runner-up uh, at the majors. The guy can perform there. He's always going to be low-owned. Uh, I think he's worth a flyer in GPPs in this lower, in this upper range, in the lower range. Uh, I like Grillo. I, I know the track record he's not hasn't been that great in majors, but the game should fit this course, hitting a ton of greens, hitting a ton of fairways. Uh, the game's been pretty good, making a lot of cuts in a row. So I do like Grillo. Uh, GMAC playing with house money, you know, going back to the place where he won his only major uh, in 2010 after a heroic par putt on 18 to get him into Royal Port Rush. That thing is relieved from his mind. It's out of his mind. He's already in. It's got to be a big weight off of his shoulders. I think maybe he can play more freely. One sort of off-the-cuff type GPP play I like in this range is Cameron Smith. The the, the form is not there. He hasn't been playing that great. But Tim, he's sort of like Rom, who plays exceptionally well on the West Coast. I think he can uh, surprise at like sub 5%, maybe 3% ownership. You know, you might be able to get him uh, as, as one of those, you know, cheap GPP plays. Terrell Hatton, I like him in every format, cash, GPPs, one of the best Lynx players in the world. This guy, this course is very similar to the Lynx style golf that he would play uh, across the pond, and his game has been pretty good here recently. So I do like him. Uh, Noto, who do you like in this bottom 7K range? Yeah, Jim Furyk, one of my favorite plays uh, at any price point this week. Uh, hits a lot of fairways, great with his irons. Uh, he's a very good scrambler. Good course history, good form. Uh, pretty much anything that you want to look at, uh, he checks the box for me. Uh, and he's very good at avoiding bogeys. So uh, I think he's going to be you know, a guy that I load up on in all formats. also think it's a good spot for uh, RCB, Rafa Cabrera-Bello. Uh, I tweeted, retweeted one of his tweets today uh, with him out there putting in the rain. It was before the AT&T Byron Nelson. I uh, said it was his favorite course. And, I mean, he's out there grinding out in the in a storm. So if he's going to do that just to play his favorite course, uh, I kind of like that quite a bit. He's played here twice. Uh, I know it's going to be different. But T26, T22, and he's made 23 of his last 24 cuts on tour. Uh, that kind of consistency isn't really found in this price range. And then I uh, agree with you on Grillo. Um, his short game worries me a little bit, but he's a good ball striker, good total driver. Um, and so I like those three in that low 7K range. Tambo. Yeah, Grillo was my favorite, actually, uh, in this range, just because I like him, like Tiger almost, not comparing him to Tiger at all. Let me get that straight. But I, I'm talking about how you when you get to courses like this where it's a low score, 
you know, if it's a minus three type score and, and he finishes at plus four or plus three and ends up in the top 10 for 7,400, I'm okay with that. And he's normally pretty good when it comes to all those things. Uh, decent bogey avoidance, good ball striker, n- not so much lately, but I'm talking long term. Uh, and, and he is good as an overall guy. And he just got dropped into the field today, which is enough time for people to adapt. But I honestly can tell you there's people that already have their lineups made. Um, that are just not going to change them. So they wouldn't even have had a chance to get him in their lineup. So 7,400, I like him. You mentioned that. I knew you were you were talking about narratives earlier, Noto, when you said you like him too because you, you retweeted that today from him out on the greens. And, and RCB is a, a guy that reminds me of Poulter where he's that grinder type. He just shows up. He, he When he does show up, it's normally in something that's pretty important or of a higher stature. Uh, that's sort of what I always talk about on here about uh, majors where I'm not focused on just the stats. I want them to have some stats and whatnot, but I care a lot more about long-term history. 23 out of 24 cuts is insane. Uh, love that. Um, not sold yet on this one. Not sure if you guys have a take on Billy Horschel, but I saw it mentioned on Twitter last night. And I, all I could get was thoughts of the open when uh, the BH initials stand for backwards hat and he flipped it around and just went to full on don't give a fuck mode and just started hitting it anywhere and everywhere. But he's popping a little bit for me this week and he's got three really good recent results. So uh, Furick, like you mentioned, was the other and then dropping down at dead seven. Uh, I can't go through any more Keegan stress, but I will take a little Lucas Glover. Uh, I like Lucas Glover, good ball striker, tougher track, former U.S. Open champion, not the same, but uh, in the sense, 7000 bucks. I, I don't mind him for that price versus some of the guys in his area that are a lot more risky. I kind of like Lucas Glover there at 7 k All right. So, Noda, why don't you take us into the 6 k range there, buddy? Yeah, I agree with you on Glover. I think that's a really solid play. Uh, his ball striking hasn't been as good this year, but his uh, around the green and putting have both improved. So, I think that should uh, – Fit pretty well uh, this week. Uh, in the 6Ks, I like Benny on. I kind of like him on courses where we have small greens. He's a really bad putter. Might be the worst putter on tour. Um, so the smaller the greens, the more you know he has to scramble and the more you know he just has shorter putts. Uh, he's one of the best scramblers on tour this season. Uh, and he's been a good ball striker. I know he had uh, you know that four-event stretch where he really struggled, but bounced back with his T17 his last time out. I like Eric Van Ruyen. Um, I keep waiting for him to kind of drop off uh, over on this side of the pond, but uh, he's played five PGA Tour events over the last like 12 months and hasn't finished outside of the top 36. Had a nice T20 last week, really good ball striker on the European Tour. I think that will suit him well this week. Uh, Ches Reeve is a guy that hits a lot of fairways, uh, hits a lot of greens, um, decent putter on POA. I think he's worth a look. And then uh, dropping down to the $6,700 range, uh, Matt Jones has played some really good golf this year. Uh, good record at this golf course and uh, just been in good form. So I don't mind taking a couple shots on him. And Scotty Scheffler, uh, I'm not sure if it's his time to break out yet, but incredibly talented young golfer. Um, I could surprise some folks this week as long as uh, you know the major is not a little too much for him. Yeah, in the 6K range, I'm sort of like you up top. I like EVR a lot. I like Van Ruyen. I like uh, Benny on also. Uh, I'll play a little bit of Duffner and Willett, two major champions whose games have been trending upwards after really a pitiful display of golf for a long amount of time. It looks like they finally on the upswing uh, here. And at this price, uh, I'll go ahead and take a risk with both those guys. And one guy down below uh, that I sort of like, it's going to be Victor Hovland, who actually won the U.S. Amateur here last year uh, at Pebble. Uh, you know, really good college golfer. He's going to be a force when it comes, uh, when he becomes a tour pro. I think you could probably, uh, you know, throw a couple flyers on him in GPPs. Uh, Tambo, who do you like? 
The last T3PO, I saved it. I'm glad you ended with that. That was uh, I got two rants down here, and I won't be too long with them because we're getting long on the pod. But uh, Noto, I think, got cut off there. I apologize a little bit, but he mentioned Scotty Scheffler. And and my uh, final T3PO of the week is actually going to be going away from my my other Oklahoma guy, I'm a, a Ricky Fowler truther, the, the Victor Hovlands and the Matt Wolfs of the world that I love. But I'm going to pivot off Victor Hovland and go to Scotty Scheffler. Uh, obviously, both are going to be incredible talents, but the difference is is that um, Scotty Scheffler's already showed up on the PGA Tour. 27th at Shinnecock at a U.S. Open, 20th at the Valero Texas Open, 35th at the Byron Nelson. These aren't the easiest. He's also done well at the Sanderson Farms, uh, Byron Nelson another time in the past. I think he's a bigger talent um, than Hovland is, especially right now. And the USAM thing is a little bit tricky. The reason I bring it up is because, yes, it was at Pebble, um, but it's match play. So if you watch the highlights, there's actually an amazing highlight. I'll probably retweet it out of Hovland, like, made an incredible shot from down the mountain. He had to walk down the mountain, click it up onto the green, and win the hole. And and so if you look at all – I went and watched all the highlights, and dude is, like – out of the bunker on every hole. So what, what happened was the guys that he's facing, uh, which is my next rant actually, but the guys that he's up against are going to make double and he's making bogeys to win the hole, right? It's not necessarily that he just went super low. So I'm not even sure uh, what we'll see out of him this week as far as that's concerned. But I, I definitely like Scheffler a lot more for overall talent. Uh, a couple other guys before I hit the last one. One is Charles Howell, um, West Coast. No, hasn't done nothing lately. Just again, looking for that grinder, that cut maker. Him and Jez Revy are both right there. Uh, Benny Ann, you mentioned him. Noto, one cool thing I saw our boy Hatchman on Twitter. Uh, good follow, funny guy. He mentioned that uh, he asked Benny Ann which putter he was using this week or whatever. And he said he's got the, he showed a picture on Twitter to Hatchman and said, same putter I used at Memorial, which by the way is like the first tournament in forever that he's gained strokes. Uh, and had a good result there. And then, like you mentioned, with the smaller green. So I do like Benny Ann as much as most people think that's crazy. And then my final sleeper rant of the week, um, Devin Bling is 6200 bucks. This is not for the faint of heart. This is who lost to um, Victor Hovland in that USM. And again, it's not just for the reason that he made it to the finals of the, the USM, because I just talked shit about that. But I looked into this guy, and I've been following him a little bit before the Masters even, as just always doing a little bit of a deeper dive. Comes from a military family. Not all this is golf relevant, but again, looking for narratives, looking for things I like in people, uh, in, in you know life, business, and especially in golf. I'm looking for little tidbits. Came from a military family, very disciplined. His father was all over him as a kid, so he has the discipline. Uh, he His mom owned like a chess company, chess club. He would play chess with her to learn the percentages and the odds so he could apply them to golf. He also plays piano, guitar, and violin fluently. So while it may sound like he's not practicing golf, he was still out there every day, night and day playing golf, made the cut at the Masters, came in 55th. Uh, and he's ready for this course. He was he was doing the Tiger before the Masters where he was out on the uh, the basketball court hitting putts on glass. This guy looked really solid, had to go through five matches just to get to the finals that he had to beat dudes to get there as a number 300-something ranked in the world, dropping some putts out there, making some nice golf shots. I like him as a little bit of a sleeper at 6,200 just for a few lineups to get that uniqueness. It's something like the Millie Maker that could really set your lineup free. All right. Well, now that we know the whole life story of Devin Bling, why don't you why don't you go ahead and take us into the betting segment, Tambo? Nobody digs harder than me, Kenny. You, you don't you. know nothing I, about this guy I, playing I, instruments. So. I got you. 
Guys, betting segment sponsored today by BetQL.co. I uh, want to head over to the site, download the app. They got it on Android. They got it on Apple. Uh, mainly just looking at a couple things. One is you're looking at value bets. So they've got all their value bets on there that you can follow right on the app. If you want to get some action, learn the bets from there and then go put it into your favorite site. Make action happen that way. Uh, they got the public lines so you can see where the money's getting spread around to, uh, see who the public's on, and then all the line movement with that throughout the day. Uh, with that said, Kenny, I mentioned it earlier. I got a bit of a Brooks hedge. If you recall from last week, I took the Tiger. Sorry, I took the DJ Brooks Rory at the RBC double. I didn't want to bet that tournament because I knew or I thought a big dog was going to win it. Uh, it almost didn't happen until Rory went nuclear. But I, I, I paired it this week with Tiger, DJ, and Brooks. So I do have the back half of that double that I'm excited about. Uh, the other few bets that I have, there's only a couple or a few here, but uh, they're all older numbers, so unfortunately they won't be out there for everybody, but I'll just go through them. Woodland, 150 to 1 with the top five each way. Snedeker, 80 to 1 with the top five each way. Finau, another mini hedge there because I'm not really feeling him here, but I got him back when he was 66 to 1 with an each way. Uh, and then Molinari at 40 when he started going off at the Masters, grabbed him as well. That That's all I got for this week, but Tiger, DJ, or Brooks will be a big week for me. All right, this sounds good for me. I have three future bets that I made a while ago. I had Cantley at forty to one, Xander twenty-five to one, and Snedeker at eighty to one. I'm going to go ahead and add Tiger at eleven to one this week. Uh, Adam Scott at thirty-three to one, and Stenson at sixty-six to one. Uh, I might have some, um, you know, top tens and top twenties here later on, but those are going to be my main bets. What about you, there, Noto? Yeah, pretty close uh, with you, Kenny. I got Tiger twelve to one, Adam Scott thirty three to one, uh, Webb Simpson forty to one, and then taking a long shot on Jim Furyk, uh, old man Furyk at one hundred twenty five to one. Uh, got some top twenty bets on Furyk, Glover, RCB, EVR, and uh, Ches Revy that all you know vary between four and eight to one. All right, sounds good. Why don't you go ahead and give us your one and done pick there, Noto? You don't want my one and done pick, man. I am so bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> I always, uh, you know, start off bad and then I forget to enter. And then uh, the second segment comes around and I start off bad and I forget to enter. So I'll just let you guys take over this segment. All right. I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I actually got Webb last week. I finished in second place, got br- bringing me back up into life here in this segment. Also bringing me into life uh, in the money for the whole year. So it's still a big deal for me. I'm going to, I saved Tiger. So I'm using Tiger Woods uh, for my one and done this week. What about you, Tambo? All right, it looks like we lost Tambo. Why don't you go ahead, Noto, and uh, go ahead and um, tell us uh, where they can find you and all the information they need. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at RG underscore Notorious. Uh, post not a not a ton of content, but a decent amount of the golf content on there. Uh, always willing to answer any questions that you have. So uh, whether it's strategy related or uh, whether you're deciding between some golfers, feel free to reach out to me. And then uh, you can find all of my work at rotogrinders.com. All right, Tambo's cut out, but you can find uh, t- Tambo at, at ToeTagandTambo on Twitter. Tambo, you back? He's not back. He's not back. We've been having issues with this all season. So we got, we, we got, you can find Tambo at ToeTagandTambo on Twitter. You can find his weekly article on GupsCorner.com. Make sure you get on GupsCorner.com. Use the promo code DGEN25. Also, make sure you get on draft. Use promo code DGEN. Get yourself a uh, 
a free $3 ticket. Also, go check out betql.co. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. My weekly article is on PowerHourPod.com. All right, guys, that's going to be it for this week. It's a big tournament, lots of money on the line. Like usual, let's win some motherfucking money, DGen Nation. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org.